Devin and Morgana have been celebrating midlife love by getting married a hundred times in a hundred countries. They believe grown-up love gets better and more fun, especially for women. Everyone's smarter, wiser. Men are more relationship-ready. And if they're not, it's obvious. Forget anything you were told about being too old or too late for love and adventure. Instead, get fresh new tips on dating, relating, and travel to exotic destinations. And best of all, call in for personal guidance, creating crazy, sexy midlife love in your life. Hello and welcome. Devin, would you like to introduce us? No, (laughs) I never introduce us. I'm Devin. This is my wife, Morgana. It's Did you want like to help a, me out with that, or was yeah. there more that you wanted to do? I feel like we've been pen and teller, so I've been. Oh, for the introduction, right? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> That's you are. This is one of those times where it's like, oh no, let her have the reins, do her thing. But teller is the cool one. Teller is the cool one, without question. Please keep going. Okay, I'll be quiet. Oh, so um, it a funny thing we had. Uh, we were interviewing a guest recently, and. After the you know camera was off and the recording was over, she said to us, "Wow, you two really like each other." And and that's, I think she said it like she was surprised. Yeah, well, she said that's unusual, and yeah, we really do like each other. Um, Hence that we're married, <laughs> hence, right? You'd hope, right? Hence hope my that. husband showing up for the show every week when. He could be playing Pokemon. Right. There's so many other things. But thank goodness we have this. Yeah. We have this show. And I say that tongue in cheek, but I do. You know, I I do. I like that we get to promote uh, a good life after 50 or for somebody who's in midlife. I don't even know what those numbers are, but I'm quite certain 50 50 qualifies. and, And, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm approaching 55, which is bar is it's it's nearing traumatic um but it's fine like it's good like life is really good on so many on on so many wonderful levels so so while i'm not necessarily you know you know to do this but but i am enthusiastic about sharing the good life and encouraging others to do the same so so good so i'll put on a shirt okay well and for 55, I'm still trying to get us to Mexico. But if not Mexico, then Disneyland. Uh, yes, that's complicated, too. Well, to to honestly, Disneyland. a day at Disneyland is probably as expensive as a week in Mexico. It may be. Yeah, no, there's no question. It's, uh, um, are, are we tang- Are we going to talk about Disneyland? Because I'm happy to. If you want to. We can. So I just want to say this. I love Disneyland as a middle-aged guy. Nobody will go with me except for my daughter, who's now a college graduate. So yay, Shay, if you're in the outside chance that you're watching this. Uh, she just graduated from the University of Michigan. I'm super proud. And we go to Disneyland, she and I, most every year. It's, I think we're, I think you went once. Once or twice. I'm not a good Disneyland person. I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah, no. But, but I still am really only good for the kitty rides. I'm not I'm not 
a Pirates of the Caribbean is just too much for me. I'm no good for roller coasters. I'm right. really boring. And then it's a it's a long line to go on some teacups. All all of that is all of that. How is, did is, you get stuck true. with me? It's remarkable. I'm blown away <laughs> at times how that ever took place. But that all said, uh, life is good. Um, Disneyland is is open. I think you have to uh, you have to you have to do some things. You have to jump through some hoops uh, to make that happen. But what I was going to say is, I just like where, for the most part, people who are going there are are hoping that it's the happiest place on earth. So they're contributing to the vibe of the happiest place on earth. And a great many people we were talking about the expense. It is. It's crazy expensive. Um, but it's beautiful and it's, it is magical. It's beautiful and it's idyllic. In other words, there's a team of human beings that are working nonstop, a huge team of human be- uh, of people that run around and that place is sparkling clean always. And it looks nice. There's and, not a single brown leaf to be yeah, found there's anywhere. There's no brown leaves. There's no some weird flower that looks disturbed. You know, I mean, there's nothing like that. And, and so, so what, what you're paying for is a lot of people to present this notion that there is this kind of beauty. And I love that. I love that. And I want to be around it from like, you know, usually when my daughter, you know, I wake her up at dawn. And we drive down there in the dark and we get, I want to be the first guy and we were never the first person, but I want to be the first person in that place. And when they close around midnight, I want to be like, okay, we can't take it any more. So, and this well, is not a Disneyland. Well, now she's out of college, she might be around to go to Disneyland. We've already, dis- it's already been discussed. So oh. it's not like you have to plan ahead. No, the moment I'm like, hey, sweetie, you're going to be in town. Congratulations like, yes. on your graduation. Yeah, right. I this have is a birthday gra- coming up. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, she has a graduating gift, a graduation gift coming up. Okay. So, uh, so we'll probably almost certainly go to Disneyland, and that will almost certainly be a day that Morgana will sleep in. <laughs> Talking about crazy and sexy midlife love, she will be nowhere to be found <laughs> on that particular day, and it's fine. Sleep it's like is a, very good for the sexy. I think I am not even complaining. I think it's just kind of one of those things that it is. Um, it, you know, one of the one of the mature things about you know love is that uh, we don't have to look for differences. And even if we were to and found these differences, that it wouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, like she doesn't like Disneyland. How could she not like Disneyland? We have to break up tomorrow. I'm calling my lawyer. <laughs> it's not that I, I don't learned. like it. It's just, No, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to convince you. I think it's like it's not for everybody. I totally get that. The vast majority of my friends are like, what? <laughs> you want to go, what? And I'm like, yes, I want to go. And so I have a handful of friends, like a small smidge of people that are like, we love it. We go once a year or whatever. We go twice a year or something. And then there's a couple of people who buy those like season passes where they're just going every every day. You have to to make it worth it, really. Well, and that's what they do. They yeah. they go all the time and they get discounts on parking and stuff. And by the way, this is not a plug for Disneyland. Uh, it is crazy we should, expensive. We should get it's a, crazy we should, expensive. You should be getting a free ticket just because we're giving them a plug. Right. Well, we're not. That's okay. that's not their bag at all. All we, right. They are. Because I'm sure you've tried that. Yeah, well, they're a corporation. They're yeah. a big, big corporation. And somebody is there counting all of the beans. And so, you know, without question. I mean, I think you get a nice service and then you get a great day. 
Well, and you brought up an interesting point, like, oh, she doesn't like Disneyland. I'll break up with her. And years back, you know, our friends um, and, and Lynn and Bob broke up because she's an extrovert and he's an introvert, just like you're an extrovert and I'm an introvert. And it's interesting to me, uh, like you like to go out a lot and you're able to go out safely now more than before. Uh, and you're okay with me not accompanying you to things and I'm okay with you going off and having a good time. And so it's not an issue for us. And I, I just keep thinking about, because we do have our issues, but I love, I love what John Gottman says. And you've brought this up before that studies have shown that, that relationships that fall apart, fall apart, usually because of five to seven irreconcilable differences. Right. Five to seven things. And it doesn't matter what the things are. They're just things. And they can be huge and they can be little. That you can't reconcile. That just means, in other words, at some point, you're just going to have to go, okay, that's what it is. Right. You don't like her family. You don't like her friends. Whatever. And so every, the relationships, the marriages that fail have those five to seven things. The relationships and the marriages that go on forever and are super happy and loving have five to seven irreconcilable differences that will never be never be agreed upon. Right. And that's just the way it is. So at some point, at some point, uh, a person is presented with this idea of I'm either going to accept those five to seven things. And by the way, there's always more other things, too. You know, I mean, there's fights that happen spontaneously about a particular circumstance. We're talking about a stuff that's just like it's not going away. Yeah. So it's your choice. And, and by the way, our five to seven things are not the same. I don't even know what her five to seven things are. I don't really care. I but, can't even think of that many. I know of like one or two and it's more like one and a half because only one of them really bothers me. Right. So but but the point is, is that. So she does things that annoy me that are, they're not going away. You probably get nine to 10 just to, you know, maybe the five to seven things are not evenly distributed. No, they're not. No, they're <laughs> absolutely not. I have, I have 13 and you have one. That's what it is. So that just means I am saint in case anybody at home was wanting to know, please, please pray for me. Oh. Um, but I mean, so, so here's the thing. Um, so that's a choice. A choice. That's what a relationship in part is. It's it's sort of like a recognition where, where as a dear friend of mine likes to put it, we're all sick children of God, mm-hmm. and I like to believe that we're these imperfect souls and trying to figure it out and sort of evolve into sort of a more harmonious individual, a more accepting person. Um, and I think that's uh, you know I think that's part of the deal. Oh, and we have Andrew on line one. Do we have Andrew? A caller? Okay. Can you believe it? How yeah, nice. No, hey, Andrew. Hi, I thought I'd come join you guys and say a quick hi to one of my two favorite people in uh, Long Beach. So, <laughs> And I know which Andrew this is. Hello. Hi. How are you doing, Andrew? <laughs> I, I'm doing uh, all right. I, uh, <laughs> and, and Devin knows me, too. So. <laughs> I, I'm about 85 percent sure, but I don't want to confirm a last name while we're, you know, online or something. I, but yes. I, I don't mind if you, I don't mind if you say my full name on air because you know I am an actor as well. So Andromonia, everybody, yes, okay. welcome right. to the house. Good to hear. Good to hear from you, Andrew. I, I hope your life is well. 
Uh, it's okay. Uh, I've been healing from um, uh, a brain injury, uh, and uh, but it's 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 made me uh, it, uh, it's made me um, think about um, believing more in myself uh, and be uh, and uh, uh, being the god of me. And so it's just uh, it's it's gotten me to go more inward with myself, but. I, I just came on. I'm like, it's like 10 after. I'm like, I want to get on and say hi to Devin and, and, and Morgana. Because and, and I, I saw your emails uh, about, you know, wanting more callers. And I'm like, okay, I got to get on and, and be there to support you guys. And Thank um, you. That's very kind of you. Thank you. I, I have a question, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable sharing. How long? It, no, because I ahead. had a... I had a brain injury back in 1983, so I know what that's like, and I may know some of the stuff that you're going through. How long ago was your was your injury? Well, uh, I was in a car accident back in October through my part time uh, job as a school mm. a school driver, and uh, and right now it's just the concussion symptoms that I'm dealing with, and. Uh, I finally went through, got all through the insurance assessments, and it's just, you know, it, it requires a lot of patience and being, you know, a lot of self-care with yourself. And, and, you know, even without the brain injury, everyone should learn. Uh, we, all, we all should have self-care with ourselves. Yeah. Well, could, before you leave that, that idea, could you kind of say more about self-care for yourself? What does that mean? And, and maybe what, what kind of practices you may have taken up in order to support that for you? Well, I, um, you know, it's about listening to your body, really, I think. You know, just being uh, being in tune. I mean, I still have challenges because I like to be very active. You know, like with you guys traveling, I love to travel myself. I mean, uh, <laughs> as Devin, you know, because um, right, we've talked uh, about that. We've talked about that before. Yeah, and it's just you know, uh, and and for me, it's about being still. Uh, and you know, like this morning, I finally started to get back into a bit of Vipassana uh, meditation. Uh, where I was just in quiet, uh, I, I, I sat in, in quiet stillness for like half an hour just to meditate. And, and so I can, because, you know, oftentimes we have our brain, well, uh, our ego will start to take hold. And, you know, and for me, it's like if I'm still and I, I, I clear my mind, then I can have a more clear picture as to, to what mm-hmm. needs to be done. I mean, some of the stuff I couldn't even like at the beginning, I, you know, I couldn't, re- I, I can't really like go on like zoom calls that much. Uh, like what uh, doing it, anything that is overtaxing to the brain, like reading a book, it's like still a challenge for me. Uh, and just recognizing that, you know, some things are just having to put on hold. I mean, I even, uh, um, have to put on hold writing my um, my own memoir of how I survived uh, wanting to die when I was thirteen. Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, and because like you know every time I go to write something, 
I'll just write like a few lines and then I'll stop. <laughs> and it's like, okay, it's not the time. The time I, I, and understanding. It's your brain is exhausted. The good news is that, by the way, uh, just the effort of reading or just the effort of writing those two sentences is so good for your brain. Uh, we're really lucky now we know that our brains have neuroplasticity and are adaptable and get to rewire and regrow really late into life. So, but that, that exercise, and when I had my brain trauma, I would read a paragraph and need to go to sleep because I was just so exhausted. I would read a page and I couldn't remember what I'd read. So the worst thing about a head injury is that it's invisible. So it looks like you're fine to everybody else, but you never let how you appear to other people fool you into forgetting just how hard your body is working to repair. Um, Please, 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 fish oil. Fish oil is so good for your brain, as are blueberries. Uh, Blueberries grow brain matter. So, uh, you know, feed your brain fish oil and blueberries, probably not together. Because it wouldn't be delicious. It would taste terrible. Right. I imagine blueberries and fish oil in a blender. (laughs) Doesn't sound like a smoothie. Yeah, well, I, 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 I could imagine I you making that smoothie with enough kale and, and cocoa butts. Yeah, no, I'd probably do that. <laughs> I would do well, it. I, I, I have been taking fish oil, but then I just switched to uh, a vegan uh, omega-3 um, uh, product. I'm trying out to see how that is. So it's okay. like... Um, Yeah, walnuts are healthy. I do believe that fish oil just has so many things besides just the omega that that is just food for the brain. But if if you're vegan, then, of course, honor your own values. Oh, no, I, I'm not vegan, but I, I just, you know, I, I, I saw this and I, I thought... You just didn't want fish breath you know, because you're not a cat. <laughs> well, it's not that I'm not a cat. I, I love salmon, actually. I'm... I, I, I'm a huge salmon um, lover. Unfortunately, I have to be, be careful uh, because of uh, another medical condition I have. Uh, so, um, yeah. and I thought, you know what, I'll try, I'll try this, but I might go back to the fish oil because uh, I just have to see, maybe use a pendulum and see, okay, is this the right product for yeah. me? And it's like, no. <laughs> so, but no, it's just, it's just really interesting going through this process and, um, one thing I discovered is uh, on Clubhouse, there's uh, uh, there's actually a brain injury support group. Whether you've had one or you know someone that's had one or you're going through it, on Wednesdays at 3, there's uh, at my Eastern, there's a, a support group on Clubhouse. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I cannot believe it. <laughs> so it's just, I, think I've, it's, I think I've been in some of those rooms, and they have a lot of great doctor. So I think that's that's a super good place for you. And what I really hope for you, Andrew, is that some hidden gift comes out of it. Like, I wouldn't wish this on anybody having been through it. You know, I've been on that ride, don't want to go on that again. I did find that oh, yeah. my intuition really kind of blossomed during the recovery. So yeah, I always set the intention of 
like unintended good consequences. So I wish that for you. Are you there? We may have lost Andrew. Okay. Well, Andrew, it was great to to hear from you, and uh, we wish you uh, only the best. Yeah, thank you so much for calling. Um, So that was a nice surprise. That was. What a sweet man. He's the one who helped me with my book launch. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So where were we? Oh, so we were talking about Disneyland. We were talking about your daughter. We were talking about aging. We were talking, yeah, we were talking about aging and Disneyland and uh, uh, things opening back up. I mean, that's a whole separate issue. Uh, but I know that we had uh, some other questions well, yeah, for this week, just from folks who had written. Yeah, them. there were some things that I promised we would talk about and a, a couple of questions that came in that I that I want to address. Before we launch into that, I also want to acknowledge that uh, for 10 years and 10 retreats in Bali, on the last day of the retreat after, because it'd be a week long retreat. And on Friday, the last day of the retreat, after all the heavy lifting was done, all the hard work was done for a treat, kind of like a spiritual dessert, I would take my women to this Balinese healer, sort of a royal witch doctor, Chakota yeah. Rai. And he had been 93 for a lot of years. So I, not sure exactly how old he was, but he was the real deal. He was so sweet. And, and it was always in a public setting because I've, I've heard some people have had some um, not good experiences with some other people in not so public safe settings. Um, And that happens everywhere in the world. But Jakota was always just so kind. And there was something really, truly magical about him. And he would, you know, just touch the head and poke the toes of every person. And he could, and his, like his magic was with his hands. He would feel what was wrong with you by poking your head. And he, and then he would take a little stick and poke your toes and it'd be like, ouch. And then he'd say, oh yeah, that's what this is. And his very limited English, very heavy accent. And then he would start doing all sorts of like wild things with his hands and drawing patterns in the air or drawing patterns on your body to, to like reorient things. But he did it totally different with every person. And sometimes he would go, I can't find anything wrong with you. Why are you here? What do you want from me? In like the sweetest, cutest way. So he wasn't, uh, I was really always impressed by his integrity that, that he wasn't just putting on a show. If he couldn't find anything wrong, he was like, I can't find anything wrong. That was me, by the way. I just want to say that. Well, I actually... Apropos of nothing. Apropos of nothing. Right. But there was, yeah. Well, anyway, I bring him up because I just heard from a friend of mine in Bali that he passed. And I've been... I I kind of felt it was coming. I wasn't even... I was thinking of asking um, my driver if if Dakota was still alive, um, especially over the last year. Uh, But I just saw before the show that he passed and all I can say is he led a great life big family he was you know really loved um he you know and uh and I feel very grateful that I got to experience him 
you know, that what a gift to have been introduced to him, to have been able to experience him so many times to share him with women on my retreat. So, you know, that's, that's just a special thing. And I just wish him a beautiful send off into, you know, what's next for him. So thank you, Dakota Wright. And on that happy note, Devin, did you have anything you wanted to say besides gloating about being the special one? Uh, No. You know, okay. No. I mean, I think he was a a nice man who served a very important purpose. Yeah. Um, So happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. And I received this question that I promised to address on the show. Uh, The question came in, could you share more about being married 25 times in 20 countries in the last seven years? There's three questions, so I'll go through the next two. What worked in your relationship, and did you have relationship goals and agreements? So, Devin, would you like to share more about being married 25 times in 20 countries in the last seven years? Uh, Well, I mean, honestly, it's... um uh, for me, it's it's one of those things that I'm not a huge fan of weddings per se. Um, but what I am a fan of is that it brings it brings us closer and it brings my wife great joy, right? Like obvious, obviously, it gives her great joy because really, what's happening it's it's less about I think I mean there's certainly a celebratory aspect to it, and certainly as a traveler, there's a, a, a traveling aspect to it and certainly in many of the places we've got married there's like part of their culture that's going on and and many times there are participants from this country that we happen to be in and all of those things are really fantastic pluses like i love all that stuff right um but i think uh saying vows is a reminder to your partner that all of those things that you said years ago are still valid, right? It's a reminder because I believe is that we have this one special day. Most people, most people get married like to their person one time. And I'm not talking about people who get married multiple times or things like that. But the vast majority of people have this like one day and it's like, okay, we're legally married and that's great. Right. And I think there's probably important rules involved, but, but, Really what it is, is if somebody has been married for a really long time, I think it's very easy to sort of become detached from the other person in a way, just because life takes over. Like the day that you got married is incredibly special, right? And then there's a picture on the mantle. Oh, look, we're, look how young we looked, all those kinds of good things. And then time marches on, right? We go back to our lives. We, maybe we're raising kids. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're going through struggles. Maybe we're not. We're going through life, Right. And, and that whole, you know, all the things that happened to us. And so I think it's easy to forget how special that day was unless you live that day a lot. And so the 25 times in, in seven years is really much more about, uh, you know, for the most part, I mean, you know, when we're not in a pandemic, it's about reinvesting 
in the vows and reminding the other person, this is why we're together. I want that. I want that idea to be in the foreground, not in the background of something that happened many, many moons ago. I want that something. Not only do I want it in the foreground, I want my wife who's sitting right here and it's not a secret. I want her to go, oh, where are we getting married next? I want that because there is an excitement to that that I think is an incredibly useful tool, not in terms of manipulation, but just in terms of hope. I want her to feel great. I want her to feel strong. I want her to know that we keep doing this thing. Wow, he must like me if he's willing to do this thing that he really doesn't even like that much, which is all. But by the way, it's all good stuff. In other words, for me, it's just if you're, ha- if you're in a committed relationship, there should be goodwill. And to me, these weddings are really about reinforcing the goodwill that we share between the two of us and repeating it over and over and over again, right, as much as possible. Because um, I think that's a really good thing. And so that's, what, that's why we're doing it. Uh, you know, the seven years, I guess we're closing in on eight, like this no, month. Uh, no, this uh- May 23rd is our seventh anniversary. Okay, so we're not even there yet. Right. But so, but the point is, is that you get the idea is that we're, we're nurturing an idea uh, a lot. We're trying to nurture this idea uh, in terms of what well, works, what other pieces do well, we want I, to I answer that question? I want to chime in. Yeah. Because, you know, remember the five to seven things that you don't agree on. Yes. Two for me, 35 for Devin. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was 1.5, but I must have done something partially <laughs> during our conversation. So, yeah, the refocusing on love. And, you know, let me just point out the the kindness, the the generosity of spirit, the, the romance of the person that I'm with. So if I'm going to go through life with somebody that there are going to be disagreements, who is the person? Like that is fundamentally the most important piece to me is, is my husband is a good man. He's kind. I see him be kind when nobody's looking to everybody, you know, and, and he's service oriented and he's wise. He's also fun to be with. Um, and there's just so much that I wouldn't find with anybody else. And if I if I tossed him aside because I'm really angry about this thing that we can't fix, I would probably scour the earth looking for someone who has what Devin has. Good luck. Look, <laughs> 45 years, I didn't find it until I found you. Right. So good. And on Devin's side, he would have to divorce me 25 times and jump down to the bottom of the, the river in Slovenia, Ljubljana, find the key to unlock our love. And he can't swim well. I'm so, not a swimmer. No. Yeah, not my thing. So he's stuck. Right. Uh, I wasn't even really down for one wedding. Uh, to me, that was just like, hey, I'm 47 years old, and that's just too much stress, you know, and, and expense. It's different when I was in my 20s, and mommy and daddy were going to, like, pay for it and do all the work, and it would be just the party, and I'd be the princess. But if I also had to put it together, it was just like I could buy a house with that money. So I was I was just such a <laughs> romantic joy kill that way. I just wanted to be married. I wanted, that was my bucket list, happily married. Cause I'd never done that before. This Devin is my first 25 husbands. And I, it was just 
this thing that I've been yearning for since I was four is my, my person, my life partner. And as it, as I evolved and the vision evolved, I wanted to travel the world with the love of my life. Uh, I wanted it to be the right person because I come from three or four generations of divorce and in my family, I just saw everybody struck out on the first marriage, but really got it on the second. So I made a decision in the second grade when I was seven years old that I was, it would be more efficient. And this is how I thought as a seven year old, it would be more efficient to skip the first marriage and simply marry my second husband. So I waited and I backed out of a number of engagements because I kind of knew that they were going to end, that they weren't going to work. I could, I could see the expiration date until I met Devin. And I just never saw the expiration date. So I made a decision about a year into the relationship that when he asked, I would say yes. And then I stopped thinking about it. And six months later, he asked, and I freaked the heck out because I thought it was going to be a few more years, and I was really happy and safe and content with the way things were, and I was terrified that marrying would ruin everything. And it actually made it sweeter for me and my experience. It took it to a level of commitment that I didn't know was still there to be, and and that's kind of nice. I call him husband, like, which is weird. If I was reading a screenplay, I would say nobody talks like that. But I talk like that because I think it's cool. It's just fun to me that, that he's my husband. Who would have thunk it that I would get married at all after 40, you know, at 47 for the first time. So part of all these weddings, you know, for me is, well, I'm just making up for lost time. Um, but it is really good for me. You know, it's good to be reminded that I'm loved. And insider tip, when you keep having weddings, it takes the pressure off of all of them. One wedding is a dud, big deal. You can get married next week somewhere else, you know? So that that really putting all that pressure on that one day just seemed like not nice for a little baby marriage. It just seemed like too much pressure for a little, little baby growing marriage. I thought maybe in a year or two, once, once, you know, we have some roots, maybe we'll have a big wedding. And some of the weddings have accidentally been big, uh, but it's always, always, always really about the vows. It's about the relationship. It's about us and the marriage is the prize. You know, the wedding serves the marriage. It's not really about the wedding itself. You wanted to jump to the next question, which well, is... I mean, what was it? It's, it's what, what worked. Yeah, what worked in our relationship? Well, I'm curious to hear. I, I don't know if I have an answer to that. I mean, I think the vast majority of things work. In other words, we're not fighting about it. I'm assuming it's working. I'm kind of leaning over reading the question. Because we're middle-aged. Right, because we're middle-aged <laughs> and I'm not wearing glasses. Uh what worked? I mean, I would say most things. In other words, I think she's cute and charming and funny and all those kind of real basic things. I think she has good values. I think she has a good heart. I think she thinks about things. And, and, and I think we aligned with certain values. And then, of course, there's five to seven things, which, you know, at some point, you just have to navigate. 
Um, and I don't think we're supposed to not be navigating. I mean, I think, I think uh, when I look back at my own self, and this is my own theory, is that when I look back at relationships that were sort of otherwise good, I think a lot of it had to do with just my ego, that somebody wasn't living up to some sort of a standard that I didn't even know existed until I was annoyed. And then I made the standard to say, well, but the standard and you're down here and it wasn't really fair to me or anybody else. And I, I think that when I speak to clients, that, that happens a lot, that there wasn't and some can I overriding. Just say how grateful I am that you did that so that you were available for me when I showed up. Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, again, the reason why that works is because I had to start taking responsibility uh, uh, for my own stuff. You know what I mean? I had to acknowledge. In other words, I had to acknowledge that there was a problem to allow change to take root, right? And more importantly, the slight shift in perception leads to great change. And a friend of mine, Pat Hummel, says that uh, quite a bit, which I love. And so um, I, think it's, I think it's a process. I think you get to a place where you can go, oh, the five to seven things. Maybe they would have, you know, mortified me three years ago, but now it's just part of the thing. Right is part of the thing. I have to look towards and work on and and grow and learn from, rather than allow it to tear us down, which you can't. Well, there were some things that I thought would be deal breakers on my on my list, like and and they actually turned out when they showed up early in our relationship to uh, have the opposite effect that the things that I thought I wasn't looking for um, actually made you a better human being just because of the way you took on those life challenges. And then there's one other thing that was the, probably the top of my list is a deal breaker. But in the context of the rest of you and just who you are and my like respect and admiration and adoration for you, it's just like, well, ha ha universe has a sense of humor. And obviously that's here for a reason as a spiritual challenge for me. Not that I was seeking one out, <laughs> but it's just like I'm stuck because I choose you. So I just that's just part of like for us to work out. So question three was, did you have relationship goals slash agree? Pardon me. Agreements. Um, did you want me to answer that? Yeah. No. Um, you know, I don't think of it in terms of goals. I mean, I think there are certain kinds of goals. Besides 100 weddings. Right. Well, I guess that's a thing. Sure. But I mean, if that doesn't, right. In other words, the relationship goals, what's the relationship goal? Uh, to not break up, to be, uh, to have a sense of purpose and contentment, i.e. that I'm actually doing the things that have purpose, but that's not something I get from her. Do you know what I mean? That's something that happens within me that I either go after or I don't go after, I do well with, or sometimes I fail with or whatever, but that has nothing to do with the relationship. So there's really more personal goals. So I don't want to break up. Uh, uh, what are the others? I mean, the other kinds of goals I can think of as well, you know, raise a family. Well, um, that's again, these are sort of like choices, but in terms of the, the relationship, I don't know if we strive as a as a duo to achieve things per se. I don't think that's, you know, because part of the problem is, is that 
in my own personal life, when I've set goals and attained them, they didn't fix anything. Mm. It was just like, oh, okay, so I have this other thing. Oh, my goal is to have a new car. Okay, great. So I saved money. I got a car. It's great. I loved it. Um, and then at some point, you just have to pay for the car every month. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, but and now I have a car. So it's not like I can be cons- forever thrilled that I have a car because at some point the new car is not no longer a new car. So it's uh, that's kind of the way I see it. I mean, I think really the the relationship goal is to roll with the punches, right? It's these kinds of things that deal with notions for me anyway, fortitude and consistency, and being a soft landing. Right, because Morgana is going to have something happen in her life uh, that's challenging, and so really, my goal in that moment is try to soften the soften the blow as best I can, which I may not be able to do depending on where she's at, and she may not be able to do that for me. Right, stuff's going to go down. Uh, can she fix it? No, no, she can't, uh, because sometimes I just have to take action in the moment. Mm-hmm. And but the goal can be. Uh, I want to be there and be of support, uh, but I can't fix things and I can't make somebody else. I mean, this is, again, this is just sort of my my 54-year-old self sort of riffing on this idea of goals. But I mean, I think for the most part, I just, you know, I want to lead a good life and hopefully support the goals and visions of my spouse. Um, and And that's sort of it because the rest of it is a wild card well i i really i'm so glad you went first because you really framed it for me is that a goal is sort of like saying the the happiness or the success is over there and my experience of this relationship is i've always liked where we are which is why i freaked out when devon proposed marriage but i felt like like it was an invitation to grow and evolve. And I'd already decided I was going to say yes. So I said yes. And then Devin wanted to live together. Seriously, we continued to live in our own homes for our first year of marriage. Which was fine for us. Oh, it was so much fun. I loved my place. You loved yours. It was really easy. Every single night was date night, his place or mine. And then Devin wanted to ruin everything. So he suggested that we consider living together at some time in our marriage. I'm the worst. So the worst. Well, the thing is, whenever Devin suggests something, it's like my brain goes into overdrive. Okay, how do we do this? I I have like this deep rooted compulsion that I just sort of like Devin wants something. I want him to have it. And, and sometimes that gets us into trouble, but I, because he doesn't, because he doesn't realize the effect it has on me of him saying, Oh, I want this. And I'm like, okay, how do I make that happen? I just, because I, 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 I just, I want Devin to have everything he wants. That's good for him. And so, so we bought a house Um, and that, and we're still together. Ha ha. What, how many years now? Six years of living together, I guess. Right. A little more. Yeah. It's, you know, numbers. Um, So for me, goal is really, I want to, I want to be there for Devin. I want him to have what he, what is, I want him to fulfill his, like um, his best self. I want to support uh, and help him 
be who he wants to be. And, and cause I, I think he's the coolest person in the world. Like he's, he's my, th- he's my person. I want to say my thing, my it, my everything, you know, not my everything. Cause I have a life, but he's, he's my favorite person. Um, and I like him, uh, in terms of agreements, we, at some point came up with an agreement, maybe during one of our wedding vows, because they're always, you know, of the moment, And I never planned mine, but I think at one point we vowed to be nice to each other, even when we want to kill each other, which is a really useful agreement. That's a good good agreement. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because, because the anger, the anger is, is really just love feeling frightened. And when the fear passes, you really don't want to have done too much damage. Because the love is still there. Uh, so that would be yeah, goals. Do not destroy the marriage. With right, do not destroy the marriage. That's a good goal. <laughs> um, you know, I remember during my last breakup where uh, a friend of mine who I haven't seen in years said to me, um, he goes, if you love her, you want for her to have what she wants, even if that's not you. Mm. And so I thought about it. And by the way, I hated him when he said it, like, how dare you? I'm, I'm in pain or whatever it was that I was feeling when I was certainly upset. Um, and so really my, my takeaway from that in, in many ways, it was liberating when I really started thinking about, well, what does that actually imply? It implies that I'm, to support her regardless of what the thing is, because that is love. My, my, the love is an, is an act of service. It's an action, right? And it's an act of service to the person that you love, because if I'm waiting for the person I love to love me back, to give me stuff, to validate me or give me special consideration, all of those things, it really isn't love. It's actually a negotiation, right? Well, I'll do, I'll love you, but you need to love me back and you need to give me whatever it is. You need to fulfill me. Or the worst one is you need to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's a brutal one, right? Because, because that, but that's part of the negotiation. We'll be here together and we'll fight through this, but you need to give me these things so I can justify being here or staying with you or something else. And I think it, I think it, I think it gets weird. And so I think what we do is we try to love freely and give freely of our hearts to the person. And so again, going back to the weddings thing is that we keep doing it because it really is much, much more about the, the freely, the freely giving of love for love's sake. So when we talk about vows, my vows aren't, uh, I will I will help support you in these goals as long as you give me the things that I want. Well, that brings up a really funny point. Was the first time we got married, I was in Bali finishing up my retreat, and Devin was in South Africa on his photo safari, and and Devin proposed and came and said. I heard him say, "Make a list of everything you want." you know, from me or, and so I 
showed up at our elopement with my list of everything I wanted from him. And then he put me in my place by reciting his list of everything he wanted for me. I had misheard him. So, but you were prepared in your own. I'm a good homework person. Special yeah. way. Well, so like all the all the weddings, I'm so glad we got do overs because it's actually way, way, way more fun to make lists of everything that I want for the person I love. Um, was there anything else uh, prob- that I wanted to say? Yes, but I forgot. So back to you, Devin. Well, I mean, I don't know what else is. I think that was sort of the main question. So, so the general answer is, uh, you know, getting married is a is a useful tool to help uh, keep things sort of on the surface, sort of like love first. Uh, I think that uh, uh, what worked in the relationship was a whole lot of things. And I think, by the way, if you're at home and you're in a relationship and the list of the things that are not working is a really long one or you've forgotten, like first, I would really kind of, you know, find what you love from that person from the begin from the beginning. Like, what was it when you guys were really high on each other and start really you know, looking at those things and then it becomes how can you recreate it and get those things back? And so so I, I think that's really the part like so if you've forgotten what's working within the relationship, sit down and write it down. And maybe you might have to go back to, well, you know, in year one, we did these things. Maybe you need to start recreating those things and and maybe start forgiving and and, uh, those other things because it's tricky. And then uh, uh, did you have relationship or goal agreements? Uh, For the most part, no. I mean, again, I go back to... um, my goal, and this is one of the things that I talk to cl- to clients uh, a lot about, is that if you are in a relationship, and if, let's say it's not working, or maybe you're just dating, right? You're casually dating. You're having a great time with the world. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Many blessings. I think while you're getting to know that person, that you keep sort of like, what are you, what are the mindful goals for yourself within the relationship? Oh, I want to be, and that you can actually accomplish. Like I can't make somebody be happy or change for me or do whatever the things that we want them to do, but I have control over me. So the things that, that I focus on is like, well, I can be of love and service. I can show up when things are difficult. I can try to have compassion even when I don't. Um, I can try to, um, you know, I can try to smile when I don't want to. And maybe smile is maybe the wrong thing. But I, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, how do I try to keep the, this thing sacred? Because there's 7 billion people on the planet, and I'm choosing this one person. So if I'm dating them, um, even if the relationship isn't going to work, even if you know, like, okay, we'll probably be dating for another three months. I think it's probably really important to keep putting your best foot forward anyway. Um, even if you're going to be breaking up, I'm breaking up tomorrow. I still think you put your best foot forward no matter what happens, because I think it's great practice when you're going to be dealing with the real thing. Yeah. Right. I, that that's how I approach dating because everybody had an expiration date above their head before Devin. And sometimes it was just 
you know, it was, it was just practice, practice letting a nice person be nice to me and appreciate their company. Um, there was one guy maybe a year before I met Devin who I really, really liked, even though I, he had huge red flags and it's not surprising that it ended at three months. Like everybody ended at three months if they got beyond a date or two weeks. And I liked him and I wanted to see more of him. And his response was he was having a great time, but he didn't love me and didn't think he ever would, which really shocked me because I was really surprised. I thought we were kind of on the same page and I'm grateful to him for being honest like that. And that was the last conversation we ever had. And I said, thank you. Thank you. I needed to know that. And I wished him well and ended all contact. And because of that, I was available to for someone who could love me. And so if you're seeing somebody who's really into you, but you're not, please be honest. And I actually was writing about this recently uh, in response to a friend who was out in the dating world and getting rejected a lot, a guy. And like... I hate rejection. It hurts. I also really deeply believe that it is protection. It is divine protection to keep you free and available for your person. Uh, Never, ever, ever settle for someone who doesn't love you. And if you're not doing, and, and if you are the person who's with somebody that you don't love, you aren't doing that person any favors because that person is lovable you are just not their person. Um, and the nice thing about like having so many scars and broken hearts and being, you know, all, all of like the, all the slings and arrows of outrageous dating is that when you do meet your person, you recognize it in a way that we might've wasted this opportunity 10, 20, 30 years ago. And we weren't the same people 10, 20, 30 years ago. So we met at the right time as the right people, which is the gift of midlife love. Devin, what would you like to say? Oh, I don't know. I think I've said a mouthful already. Yeah. Um, I thought we were going to get to some other pieces. We I had this know. other show planned. Total other and, show planned. And then uh, uh, the fantastic Andrew called. And uh, yeah. so. Well. Yeah. I wanted to, and maybe we'll do that in two weeks because we have a really fabulous guest next week. But um, I wanted to kind of go over favorite moments from like brilliant things that guests on our show in the past, Ariel Ford, Rhonda Britton, uh, Carol Allen, our astrologer who we brought in twice because she was so popular, yeah, Dr. No, she's Gary Salyer. Yeah, Gary's great. Um, Last week's Precious, if you haven't seen last week's show, jump to that as soon as we, we get off the air. Precious, Pauling is Devin's favorite guest of all time. I like, think so. Every like word from her mouth is just like dropping poetry. Uh, she's just so wise and and just has such a beautiful way with words and raw and fun and... Ian, just uh, a real treat. We're going to have to have her again. Uh, so I will say something that I've heard Carol say, I, and she might have talked about it on the her first 
appearance on our show about a year ago, uh, is that love is kind of looking at each other through rose-colored glasses. Like, you really do need to distort. You can distort and see everything is bad, or you can kind of blind yourself to the irritating stuff and just totally obsess over how, like, cute and handsome and charming and kind and affectionate and adorable Devin Galladay is, which I like to do a lot. We have about 90 seconds. Did you have any last thing to say? No, I ran out of steam. Okay. I'll just kiss you up later. So uh, next week we have very, very different vibe. We have the confrontationalist Danielle Gibson. So if, right. Uh, so especially for us women who may shy away from those difficult conversations as if they are worse than death and I'm raising my hand. So we'll be getting into a fight to prove a point. Exactly. Oh, good. I'm so to the death. All right. Fair enough. Uh, So we'll be learning how to have those difficult conversations to get what you want instead of what you think you can get. That is next week's show of Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. We are here every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time uh, at BBS Radio. And be sure to go to crazysexymidlifelove.com to join the Crazy Sexy Midlife Love family and download Devin's book, Women Are Smarter Than Men. Because they are. Because we are. And he's smart enough to recognize that. That is one of my strengths. So we love to receive your emails. We love having questions to focus on on the shows. We love it when you call in and we love you. And we will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to Crazy Sexy Midlife Love. Please sign up to join our free love family at crazysexymidlifelove.com to get alerts to live shows, call in and ask questions, or just listen in. And ladies, don't forget to download Devin's free ebook, Women Are Smarter Than Men and Other Secrets Marriage Minded Women Need to Know. Crazy Sexy Midlife Love dot com. <laughs>